Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, find us on the web at revivallifechurch.org. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We had a good conference this week, yeah? It was a good conference. Jesus moved. Kids were having a good time. Kids are having fun. That's good, right? Did anybody grow up in a church that was miserable? I didn't. I grew up in sin, so I didn't learn that. <clears throat> I didn't know anything about church. But we had an amazing uh, weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm <clears throat> clearing my throat here. My wife's bringing me a drink. We had, a great re- we had our great conference, Calling All Revivalists. You know, um, Joshua Muse was with us. It was good, yeah? Who caught some of it? That was good, yeah? <clears throat> it was good. And... Uh, we know it more happened than just the words that were spoken. We know Holy Spirit moved in significant ways and did things in people's hearts. And uh, he did uh, really exciting things. And uh, more than anything, <clears throat> when, when the revivalist comes to town, he kind of changes how we view things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Changes how we view things. And he causes things to get stirred up in us. Anybody feel that? Many coming into the weekend felt a stirring. And it may have felt like warfare. It may have felt like bad things were happening. It may have even felt like you were being attacked. But you weren't being attacked. Things were being uncovered that were already there. <clears throat> and it's important to know what's there so we can deal with it, right? Right? <clears throat> when you find out that something's been happening, that's not the warfare. The warfare was that you didn't know. Right? Finding out there's a hole in your pocket isn't the problem. The problem was that there was a hole in your pocket. You didn't realize it for a long time. And money was falling out on the ground. That's the problem. We rejoice when we find out about the hole in the pocket. Because now I can fix it. I don't want to live in ignorance, do you? I want to live with my eyes open. Don't you? In the church, you know, so much of counseling in the church is um, letting people know there's a better way to live. Because we grow up Outside of God's will. How can you grow up in God's will according to God's plan if you didn't grow up knowing God? Makes sense, right? And so a a, a big part of, let me say it this way, a big part of mentorship in the church, this is why you need to be connected to people older than you who've been walking this thing out longer. People who've been walking out the same amount as you. People who've been walking it out less than you. Because you got to, you got to, it helps that if you help someone else see through, you know, the lens of truth, then you get to look through it at the same time. And you find stuff out, out on your own. You, you know, like you start witnessing to somebody, you say stuff, you're like, wow, that's good stuff right there. Somebody should write this down. This is amazing. <clears throat> because all of a sudden, God is trying to help them, and he helps you at the same time. But we do things on our own without God. And, <clears throat> and uh, through much of our life, we do that because we didn't know him. We didn't know any other way. And we come to Christ, and we find out there's a new way. And uh, <clears throat> a big part of what we do is learn that new way. And so <clears throat> when Josh came in, the anointing that's on his life, kind of brought things into the light that we didn't see. In our personal lives, some of those things are good, some of them are bad. Sometimes we see giftings and callings we didn't see, and we're happy about that. And other times we see that we had holes in our pockets and we didn't notice it. And we got to learn how to live life with pockets without holes. You understand the, I'm not talking about literal holes here in your pockets. I'm talking about what God wants to hold, what's your life to hold, you're not holding because you don't have a proper vessel. And it's important to be able to fix that. And so, what we find out is when, we, when we're in that atmosphere of heaven, when, when that atmosphere comes, that atmosphere of the revivalist comes, we start seeing stuff. 
and we don't know how to deal with it. We don't know how to bring it to pass. And uh, I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about how do you get that revelation that God gave you and actually do something with it in your life. <clears throat> I want to talk about how do we respond in faith when, 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 when God speaks to us and he calls us something. That's, uh, the title of my, today's message, if you're taking notes, is Responding in Faith. And what we want to do is we want to respond to what God tells us in faith. And we actually believe at Revival Life Church that you can have an actual relationship with an actual God with a real living God, you can have a real relationship with him, and he talks to us, and we actually are to respond. This book is a book of people hearing God and responding to what they feel like they heard. Sometimes they respond correctly, sometimes they don't respond correctly. <clears throat> sometimes they walk in this revelation, sometimes they don't. But it's a book of relationship of people with God. You have to look, as you read this scripture, you have to look at it. This is people's relationship with God, and I'm learning about it. I can have a relationship with God. I can have a bad relationship with God or I can have a good relationship with God. I can have a mediocre relationship with God. I can have an off-again, on-again relationship with God. But just like the people in this book had a relationship, you can have a relationship. And it's dynamic. And, and there's things that we can learn from this book about how people respond to God and what we want to emulate and what we don't want to emulate. Amen? Are you with me? I want to emulate the good. I'd like to see more of the good in my life than bad. And the older I get and the longer I walk with God, the more I'd like to respond in faith properly than delay the process and respond out of the flesh. Does that make sense? Let's just take a moment. <clears throat> I just, let's just welcome the presence of God back in the room, shall we? We've not stopped now that worship stopped. Let's just take a moment. Holy Spirit, let's just pray. Holy Spirit, without you, people can't even confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And it's your power we want in this room today. We want to respond to what you're speaking. And we want to hear you speaking. Come on. Right now, I want you to just um, meditate, focus, remember the last time you encountered God in a significant way. Maybe the first time you encountered God in a significant way. Or a way the Holy Spirit may bring to mind that you encountered God. Because God wants to do something today. He wants to expand. Come on, don't stop praying. He wants to expand. Mm. Come on. It's more important that you hear three words in the presence of God than to hear a whole teaching out of flesh. Amen? You feel the room shifting? You feel the atmosphere change in the room? God, God we, need, we need to connect with God. <clears throat> and so we had, we, had this, we had this conference calling all revivalists. And at Revival Life Church, we believe that we're called to live a life of revival. We're called to live life in revival. Jesus never said, I'll open the heavens and then later on I'll close them. He never said, I'll pour out my spirit and then I'll stop pouring out my spirit. He never said, I'll send you a helper and then you'll have to do it on your own. He never said that. He wants to continually empower us by His Spirit. He continually wants to pour out a Spirit. He continually wants to do the work. It, it, it's not, I mean, it, it's impossible that He has stopped sending His Spirit because there's no lack of people who need the Spirit. There's, there's no, there, there, he's, never, he's, never, he's never stopped. The, the earth has never stopped needing Him. And so we're broken people who need Him. Amen? We need Him. Our nation needs Him. Our families need Him. Our church needs Him. Our schools need Him. We need Him. And His promise is that He would keep sending Him. And we want to we be a people who walk with a revelation of His presence. Amen? 
This is what we want to we want to walk with the revelation of his presence. And and, and if we're going to call uh, all revivalists and we want to live a life of revival, and we want to live a life in revival. We have to at some point ask the question, what is a revivalist? It's an important question to ask, right? If we're going to call all revivalists, what's a revivalist? <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to try to explain to you rather than give you a definition, right? A revivalist, <clears throat> a revivalist looks, through, looks at the world through a particular lens. Now, we all have a lens that we view the world through. And as we minister to people, we have to remember that everybody has a story, right? Everybody has a story that starts somewhere, their first memory, and even before in some people. And that story continues to right now to where you meet them. And that story defines not only them, but how they view the world. The hurts, the accomplishments, the affirmations, the mundane, the disappointment. That story crafts a lens that people see the world through. It's who we are. And we have to recognize that when we uh, meet someone, they have a different lens they look at the world through than we do. Because everybody looks at the world through a different lens. Four people can look at the same thing and describe something different because we each see a different aspect of it because we have a different lens we're looking at it through. Does that make sense? Often, you'll marry somebody with a complete different lens than yours. Just my marriage or... A complete different lens than yours. Because God wants you to see things from more than one aspect. We have to learn to value one another's lens as long as we're looking at it through love. As long as love is part of our lens, He wants us to value what each of us are seeing. And so when we meet people, we have to recognize that they're seeing things differently than we are because they come to this point in time with a different story than we do. So a word that may be innocuous to you has a great meaning to them and something that means nothing to them might be a, put, uh, might be a button for you. Does that make sense? That's why we have to make sure that people understand what we're saying. We can't assume it. And so a revivalist comes into the scene and he has a specific lens that he looks at a situation through. A revivalist um, looks through the lens of, of, of the gospel. And we'll talk about that in a second. But he looks at things through a very specific lens. <clears throat> and it looks like the, these questions that come up. A revivalist looks at something and he asks this question as he looks through the lens. What would, Holy, what would happen if Holy Spirit crashed into this situation right now? What would happen if Holy Spirit crashed into this situation right now? They could be in line at the bank. They could be in church. They could be talking to a homeless person who doesn't have a job. What would happen if Holy Spirit crashed into this situation right now? There could be somebody who's sick. What would happen if Holy Spirit crashed in right now? This is the lens. This is the question the revivalist is constantly asking. What would happen if Holy Spirit crashed into this situation right now? And then he asks a second question. Some of you are going to get rocked as I'm telling this. Then he asks a second question. Put it up. What's stopping that from happening? So we know it's God's will, right? He did open the heavens and he did tell us to seek the kingdom, right? He did say that he's an ever-present help in time of need, right? He did, we do know that his spirit is here right now, right? We know that his spirit is roaming to and fro throughout the earth looking for a heart that's after him. We know that, it, that there's no problem on his side. And so the revivalist looks at a situation. What would happen if Holy Spirit crashed in right now and then he gets a picture? Hmm, I bet the sick person would be healed. 
I know God, and if the Holy Spirit crashed in right now, this person will not be homeless. This person will not be distraught. This person will come into their purpose. This person would know the love of God. This person would amend their heart. This person would love. This person would come fuller, more full into the call, right? I, I know what God wants to do, but what is stopping that right now? So, so, so the revivalist starts operating in the discernment and starts saying, what's stopping God from operating? Is it, you know, it just starts asking God, why, why aren't you crashing in? And he doesn't stop at that answer. He asks a third question. How can I change that? The revivalist <clears throat> takes on the responsibility for bringing God's presence. He just accepts it's my responsibility to bring God's presence anywhere I'm at. Wherever I am, I know that means that God wants his presence there. I've taken that responsibility. And since he takes that responsibility, God gives him that authority or her. And since he has taken that responsibility and God gives her that authority, God also holds her accountable for doing that. Because if you have responsibility, you can't have responsibility without having authority and accountability. If you don't have authority and accountability, you're not really responsible. Right? If you just want authority without accountability, you don't have responsibility. You just want to do whatever you want to do. Right? That, that, that's not how it works. And if you're held accountable or something and you don't have authority over it, you're just a slave. Right? So in order to have real uh, 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 responsibility for something, you have to have authority and accountability. <clears throat> That's why I meet people and they say, well, God just sends me that church because he wants me to change it. I'm like, the devil's a liar. No, he is not. You don't have authority in that place. So God didn't give you authority over it. That's, that's, there's no way God is holding you accountable for something you don't have authority to do. If you just repent and become humble, then you, God can actually use you. Don't elevate yourself above the authority God has already appointed. That's why if I'm preaching, Holy Spirit's not going to give you a tongue to yell out. He's giving me authority over the meeting. Now, he may tell me, have that person minister. Are you following me here? You, you have, I, want, I want some people have some, they, they, they're bearing responsibility for things you don't have authority over, so just give it up. Don't feel responsible for stuff that you don't have authority over. People come to me, oh, pastor, I just, you know, this person's life is falling apart. And I'm just like, I'm like, so? That's not, that's not your responsibility. This is, this is actually gossip. Just pray for them. This is not, you, you, you have a life to clean up on your own. Take, 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 you know, like my wife shared the other day, we're about your own self, right? Now listen, this sounds like I'm rebuking and I'm not. This will bring you freedom. You know, parents, as your kids become adults, you pray for them, you help them out as much as you can, but you, you, you cannot meddle in their lives to try to put it in the direction you want it. You don't have authority over their life anymore. So you don't have responsibility. Right now, I have responsibility that my kids are safe. So I have authority and God will hold me accountable for that. Does that make sense? So the revivalist walks through life saying, I have taken up the responsibility to bring God's presence wherever I am. I'm not allowed to just check out. I'm not allowed to see a hurting person and say, well, oh well, too bad for you. I can't see, find out that somebody's sick and not pray. I, I, I have to bring God's goodness wherever I am. And, ah, and as I do that, I begin to say, well, why isn't it happening right here, right now? And if I find out the problem, I say, well, how can I change it? And so the revivalists may, may just pray for a long time if they don't have authority in a specific place. They, may, they, they more than likely will ask if they can pray directly for you right here, right now. And they may pray for a long time because they're praying until heaven breaks open in the room. 
Some of you know what I'm talking about right now. But that's what the revivalist does. We, we, we just look, how do I get heaven in this situation? Through a song, through a prayer, through a rebuke. What's it take? <clears throat> I want to bring, I want everybody to see that God is present right now. And there's a, there's a, a verse for this in Habakkuk 2.14. He says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Now many people preach that as the earth will be filled with God's glory. And so we ask, we sing God, send your glory here. But that's not what the Bible actually says. The Bible says the earth will be filled with the, let's say it together, the earth will be filled with the, the knowledge of the glory of God. Everybody needs to know his glory. And you know what the revivalist reads that? The revivalist reads that and says, absolutely everybody's going to come to the knowledge of his glory because I'm going to show it to them. The revivalist says, I will show them the glory of God. I, I, I am called to bring that into presence right now, right here, right now. And so the revivalist will often say, you don't actually need to get counseling. You just need the glory of God in your life. And, 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 and so to the revivalist, that's like, that's all you really need. Just Shabba Shabba and you got everything you need right there. Just grab it out of heaven and everything's done. You don't have a poverty problem. You have a revelation problem. Well, I can't send revelation to FPL right now. So I need a revelation of how to send that to FPL apparently because I got a money problem till then. But the, but the revival is stubbornly and God-ordainedly, if that's a word, has, is convinced that the glory of God will solve all problems. It just may take longer than you're waiting for. <clears throat> but he says, I'm going to show them. Now, <clears throat> Because of this, and let me give you this warning, because people are actually anointed and called to do this, and, 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 and as a caveat, we're all called to this on some level. Everywhere you are, you bring Holy Spirit with you. Everywhere you are, there is a connection to heaven. And the same Holy Spirit that I walk with, that Travis walks with, that Duke walks with, so many other people in this room walk with, walks with you. The same Holy Spirit that inspires these, these, every song that we sang today was written in house. The same Holy Spirit that gives them songs gives you words. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. And so anywhere we are is an opportunity for God's wisdom, God's knowledge, God's revelation, God's problem-solving ability, God's healing touch to come into the room. Amen? Are you with me? See, we just believe as revivalists that God wants things to turn out for good. And if, it, and if it hasn't turned good yet, it's not over. It's just not over yet. It can't be. The, in the end, we win. So five and one, it can't be the end yet. Are you with me? Jesus was buried. I mean, it can't be no more end than that. Not just he's dead and we prayed for him. He's dead, we pray for him, and then we buried him. And then we put a rock in front of his tomb. That must be the end. Not the end. Raise him from the dead. Are you with me? I hope, I hope you're getting this because I am getting rocked up here. And I'll keep talking about this if I have to. It's not the end. And it's our role to bring that hope to the world. The, hope does not the world does not have this hope because they don't know the one, the, 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 the God of all hope, the Bible says. He's a God of all hope. A revivalist is convinced that there is hope in every situation. Hallelujah. Listen, you just look for Jesus right now. He is in the room and he's touching people. 
There is hope in every situation. <clears throat> there is hope in every situation. God is not done. He has not stopped pouring out His Spirit. He has not stopped moving through people. And we just see people do amazing things who connect with Him. Now, some people... <clears throat> let, me say, let me say it differently than I, I said it before. God has given you this authority. And, 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 and um, it's easy to see how that can help you. And so some people build a revivalist ministry on themselves. They, they don't want to build on another foundation. Uh, and so they build upon themselves. And, and, and um, you don't want to do that. Right now, I am on this platform. I am on this platform right now. I am physically above everybody in the room. But I don't stand here on a platform I built. Right? There were men and women who saw Jesus Christ alive in the flesh. And they talked to Him and they wrote a book. I'm preaching the, the, the sermons that they preached. Because they're anointed. Other people later in life weren't direct disciples of Jesus in the flesh, but they were disciples of Him by the Spirit. They wrote other scriptures. I stand upon a brick that they built. After them came people who tried to, to hash out real theology. Who really is God? And who is Christ in God? And how does all this work? What is the body? I stand upon the revelation that they brought. And then there was apostles and, and prophets and, and, and martyrs and evangelists and people who built the church of Jesus Christ who came to the United States and founded the church here and generation after generation preached the gospel and raised up faithful witnesses and faithful servants and people who gave and they built the church. And one day in Gainesville, Florida, I wound up at a church uh, called the Rock of Gainesville and George Brantley was preaching and I, followed, I ch answered that altar call and there was a minister in the back room and I stand upon what they built. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? I, I'm standing upon the, what I gained from them and the foundation that they built and I got sent down, I got discipled by people and friends have poured into my life and I have great people here and even in my last church, uh, you know, Mark Boykin poured into my life and there's people who built foundations that I'm standing upon right now. I'm not here because I'm amazing and God called me out. I'm here at least half because of the foundation that other people built. I'm building upon their foundation. I'm not here by myself. I'm not here bearing witness to myself. And the revivals doesn't bear witness to himself or herself. We don't bear witness to our anointing. We bear witness to the truth that we know to be real, to be true, that God laid that we're standing upon. We didn't, I mean, like we tarry in prayer, but we don't get our own reward. We get heaven. We get the home of Jesus. Are you with me? And we get to carry that and share it with people. In this atmosphere of revival that we walk in, this atmosphere of God's very closeness, this atmosphere of heaven, where God bypasses our lens and shows us His true nature. That's what happens in an atmosphere of revival. That's what happens in worship. When you begin to worship and you pour your heart out and it just feels like heaven just rains down in the room. All of a sudden, as if we just got put on an elevator and just got put on a different level and we're looking into, into pure air where we had the funk of our lives clouding our vision and clouding what we feel and clouding what we see and we are, the problems we're having other people. And in worship, we, we get elevated to another place and all of a sudden things are clear. And really what happened was we didn't move. Heaven came down and our, and our awareness moved into heaven. And in that atmosphere, God literally, ha, literally bypasses. You want to come right up here, dude? Right up here. You want to just get right up here. Here's where it's happening. Move all the way forward. I'm telling you, this is where it's happening. No, I really feel like you're supposed to be right here, Duke. Right here, Duke. Right there. Right there. Right there. Hallelujah. Come on. It's got to be obedient, right? To what God is showing me. It's got to, got to, got to be obedient. Mm. Listen, as, as we're elevated in that atmosphere, 
Literally, what happens is God bypasses the lens that we built. And we see things through his lens. Are, are you hearing me? Are you getting this? Is this making sense? This is on, right? Okay. Amen. He bypasses our lens. We, this lens built out of our experience and our understanding and our hurts and our joys and our wants and our desires. He bypasses it and he lets us look through his lens. Now, the lens of the revivalist is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Any other lens is not the lens of a revivalist. It's something else entirely. But the lens of the revivalist is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the birth, the life, the death, and the return of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the gospel. Other stuff is not the gospel. That is the gospel. That's the pure gospel. That's the pure gospel. And in revival, Jesus brings this lens, and, he, and it supersedes our lens, and we see reality through the gospel. And he speaks to us. He speaks to us, and, he, and he, in, in the midst of that lens, he says, hey, look through this thing. You're like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. And he's like, see that place right over there? <clears throat> that's where you're supposed to be. That's your call. That's, that's the goal. Hear me. That's the call on your life. You look through this gospel lens that he made for you, and he shows you maybe where you're supposed to be in the future, or where you're supposed to serve, or where you're supposed to be going, or what, your, what, what, what things are going to wind up, how it's going to wind up for you, how it's going to pan out. Does this make sense? He may show you the songs you're going to write. He may show you the business you're going to build. He shows you, and he shows you the potential, the God-given potential on your life when you see things through that lens. Are you hearing me? He gives us new goals. This vision may not be something you actually see. You may just know it in your knower. You just know that you know that you know. Like, God, just, I just know. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it in there. This, this vision, you know, again, it may not actually be visual. Often it is. It's not always. But it's, 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 it's a God-inspired guidance. That's what a vision is. It's God-inspired guidance. And I'm telling you, we should have a vision for every area of our life. You should, you should, the God should be casting vision for every area. God should at least be part of the casting of vision for every area of your life. How are you raising your kids? What's the goal here? Hope God is in the midst of that. Hope God is in the midst of what your plans are for your marriage, what your plans are for your ministry, what your plans are for your business. God should be at least part of the discussion. You've got to at least be part of the discussion. Have you been single too long? God's got to be part of the discussion of where we're going. Have you been married too long? Too bad. No such thing. Get it fixed. Get it fixed. <clears throat> if we don't react to this vision, this God-inspired guidance, if we don't react correctly, we deal with the vision through our own own old lens instead of the lens of the gospel. <clears throat> Let me explain. So maybe <clears throat> you're living your life and whatever your goals are, and you see the gospel, you see the lens, you see through the lens what God has called you to be. And then you get out of this atmosphere and you start looking at that again through your hurts, through your disappointment, through your lust, maybe, maybe through your greed, maybe through good intentions. Just not God intentions. You're just looking at it through the lens that you had. <clears throat> and we get carnal. We get carnal. <clears throat> and we start viewing this God-inspired direction. Instead of how it's going to glorify Christ, we start viewing it through how it's going to meet our needs. 
our need for significance, our need to be important, our need to feel loved, our need for money, how it's going to meet my needs. And we start running after it. And maybe he's given you something you can't do on your own. Now, there's a bunch of talented people in this room who can do lots of great things. You just can't do God things without God. And so we start running after these things in our own strength. We start running after these things. Or maybe there's something you just can't do. And so we just live in condemnation. Disappointment. We put it on the shelf with all the other visions we've never acquired. And sometimes we don't even want a word anymore because so many of them have not come to pass. Because all we've done is try to fulfill them in our own strength. We just keep looking at them through our hurt, through disappointment, maybe through our wanting to do good things for God, but just not through our God lens. Hear me. This, this, this God-inspired direction. <clears throat> this God-inspired vision. God has a strength for you to fulfill it. Hear me. God has a strength for you to fulfill it. He has an anointing for you to fill it. He has a grace for you to fulfill it. But if we don't stay in His presence, it becomes all about our, our own effort. And your effort cannot produce God's fruit. Romans 9.16, Paul says, So then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. See? As soon as you feel like you don't need mercy anymore, you need mercy. Because you cannot, you cannot fulfill God's call in your life. You can't do it. We can't do it. We're broken. We're, we're, we're broken. We're dysfunctional people. We're all dysfunctional. Either you're defun dis dis dysfunctional or you're deceived by your dysfunction. That's all we have. That's all there is. We're broken people who need God's mercy. God says, hey, how about you be great? And we, our response then has to be, I don't know, you got the wrong guy. I'm sure there's somebody that's going to be a lot easier for you to use to be great. And he's like, I picked the right person. When you get a vision, he says, hey, I'm going to make you great. And you're like, yeah, I thought so. Probably going to be a little bit longer. Process is probably going to take a little bit longer. Amen? Are you with me? This making sense? Or is anybody following me right now? I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. I'm just letting you know that. <clears throat> Amen? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, we're, we're, we're just not that bright as a creation. As a creature, we're just not. And, and it's just possible that God made it that way. So we had to depend on Him. We had to rely on Him. We have to rely on Him. Right? But Jesus knew that, like, they say it's impossible to make anything idiot-proof because idiots are so creative, Right? If there's a way for us to try to get something done on our own, we'll figure it out, right? No matter how Jesus designed it that we would need each other. People are like, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I'm like, well, who serves you communion? You baptize yourself? How'd that work out? Did you lay hands on yourself? How'd that work? Was part of you not anointed? Now it's anointed because... The anointed part of you touch the unanointed part. How does that work? Who's your pastor? Jesus. Really? How'd that work? Like, we're supposed to have each other. But we just invent a Christianity that doesn't need anybody else. It's just, it's great. It's just not biblical, right? 
And so Jesus, you know, he really is smarter than us. He really does know how we're going to behave. And so he gives us this verse, right? Okay, so the last thing he told us before he left, like Jesus wants to inoculate us from stupid, right? So he gave us the Bible. I, I don't know how else to say that. So he gives us this verse in uh, Acts 1.8. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Good news, amen? I mean, that's good news. What happens is, hear me, we get power and we want to run all over. I'm like, I'm ready to go. I am ready to go. God has anointed me. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. Lord, if you need somebody to tour stadiums, I'm your man. I got you, Lord. If you, went, if you want somebody to raise the dead of someone famous, I'm your man right here. I got you, Jesus. You want someone to multiply loaves on TV? I got you. I am ready. I am signing up for your... And so what happens is we have this dysfunction in our lives. Are you following me? We have this dysfunction in our lives and we get in this atmosphere of revival and we see through the lens of the gospel, God's plan for our life. And all of a sudden, that looks amazing. We look back at our lives, not so amazing, right? Look at the call, amazing back there, not so amazing. Look at the vision, people are respecting me back there, not so much respect, right? And we're like, that is where I want to go. I want to be in that place that God has called me to. And so we get, we, we get the anointing on us, and then we say, well, I must go to the mission field where they're going to respect me. I need to go and start a church where they're going to start listening to me. I need to go record an album. I need to go. I need to go. It's time to send me, Lord. I'm ready to go over there where I'm ready to go. And Jesus is like, no, no, that's no. If you're not inviting people to church here, then you're probably not going to be able to gather a church there. See, when you're in ministry, I got a word. I, I, really, um, I, I really feel like we're going to begin birthing churches soon. And I'm excited about that. What soon looks like, only Jesus knows, but I just really believe it. And, um, and I heard a word when I started um, Revival Life Church, and I want to share it with you, and I hope this encourages you. Um, <clears throat> if you can do anything other than plant a church, do that. If you can do anything else other than go in ministry, do that. Is that a word of encouragement? Are you encouraged? If you can do anything else, do that. Because if you're not called to do something, if you're not called to be on the front lines for Jesus, you're not going to have a grace for it, and it is going to be hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be very hard. And if, and if you can't um, manage your life here without being on the front line, and you go there to be on the front line, it's not like it's going to all of a sudden clean up when the enemy puts his arrows at you. If your marriage is falling apart here, and I'm going to go there, here where you're familiar with the spirits at work, and you're going to go there with new principalities and powers, things are not going to get easier. Are you with me? And so there are some of you who can't do anything but preach the gospel. I think it's enough pictures. We can do anything but, I mean, <laughs> everybody's seen me, right? Amen. If you could do anything but, do that. But some of you can't. And so it's time to work it out. Does that make sense? So Jesus, he knew that we'll try to run, like escape where we're at to where we feel like God has called us. And Jesus is so smart. Let's put this up again. Acts 1.8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Yes, Lord. Come on. Yes, Lord. I'll be your witness. I'll be, I'm going to go. 
to the front lines. I'm going to go to the ends of the earth. Next slide. Both in Jerusalem. Wait a minute. That's right here. Right here. He's like, I don't want to be in Jerusalem. I'm ready to go there. He's like, no, 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 no. Right here. Right here. This is where you're going to start. This is where you're going to start. You can't escape here to go there and be amazing. It doesn't work that way. This doesn't work that way. If you're barely making it here, you go there and you're going to die. If you're scared to evangelize here where you know the environment, I've never felt more comfortable when I'm a stranger. He says, you're going to start right here in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. Those are ands, and it actually goes in that order. Jesus knows. He knows us. He knows how we try to use him to escape our issues. And Jesus, I need you to hear this. Everybody in the room, I need you to hear this. Jesus is empowering you to bring supernatural into your issues. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. That's a good word. He is empowering you to bring the supernatural into your issues. He wants to bring revival in all of your issues of life. But the mission field looks like it's more godly, but really it's just escaping our problems. God wants it. I mean, he really wants to anoint you to overcome issues. He really wants to anoint you to overcome issues. He really wants to do that. He really wants some of you to realize before you go into ministry that you can trust him to pay bills and you'll learn how to manage your finances before you're half broke in the mission, in the ministry. Amen, Frank. We got a bunch of people in this house who've been in, uh, who've been in ministry. Talk to them. Don't take my word for it. So many of these people are called to ministry, and I want you guys, I want you to finish strong. Amen? I want you to finish strong. And so you, we got we to be able to, we got we to go whole. We can't go thinking the ministry is going to make us whole. We got to bring our whole selves to the ministry powered by Holy Spirit. So let's, let's pick up our verse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quickly go through the rest of my message here because that was all introduction. Acts chapter 2, <laughs> verse 41. Here's what Jesus said. Listen, excuse me. <clears throat> this is what the Bible says. So Peter, on the day of Pentecost, remember Jesus said, pray, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And he did because he's a God of his word. Acts 2, 41. So then, after Peter preached, so then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were... Mm, about three, mm, about three, oh, excuse me, getting whacked now. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, many one, awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles. And all those who had believed were together, and they had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as any of them had Need. And I want to take this as a real quick three-step process that we see what happens when we get into revival anointing. Amen? Anytime we experience the presence and power of God, there's a three-step process I would like to take out of this scripture that God wants to lead us into. And so maybe you got a vision, a plan, maybe you're unsettled with where you're at in Christ after this uh, weekend, and I want to just kind of give you some concrete steps forward. Are you with me? The first thing, now this is, this is all going to be in first person. The first thing that I need to do in responding in faith to God touching me is, put it up please, I need to revive my commitment to Christ. As revival, mm, anointing comes in the room, I need to revive my commitment 
to Christ. Peter stood up and he was preaching to people who were so devout that they traveled from other nations to come to the feast in Jerusalem. And it's not like today you hopped on 95 and you went somewhere, big deal. I'm staying in a hotel instead of staying in, in Boca. This is like they traveled from the Southern Arabian Peninsula. They traveled from Libya. They traveled from the island of Crete. Like they traveled. It took some work. These are people who were working hard to obey God. And Peter stood up and told them, you need to repent. Now the presence of God is here. You need to repent. We need to repent. We need to revive our commitment to Christ. We need to revive our commitment to Christ. Now, and as, as this anointing comes on us, and we see, and we get out of the presence of heaven, and we get home, and we see the, we see the goal that God has given us, this inspired goal, we need to look at our life and, and, and maybe look at it through the lens of Galatians 5.22. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Self-control. And as we look through this lens, this gospel lens at our life, we say, I need to get there. Mm, am I bearing the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Am I bearing this fruit? Now then we can do the Holy Spirit, am I bearing this fruit? What do I need to deal with in my life? We need to make a, a fresh commitment. Make a fresh commitment. I need to, I'm not bearing, okay, I need to clean it up. I need to clean things up. I need to make a fresh commitment maybe to deal with the sin in my life. Fresh commitment. I need to deal with the sin in my life. I need, to, I need to love more and be angry less. I need to serve more, expect to be served less. I need to be more patient and less judgmental. And maybe, maybe you've not come out of the world yet. And we expect to not come out of the world and, and then come into our promise. You've got to leave and cleave, is what the Bible says, to our bride. We have to leave where we were and be joined to what God has called us to. We have to leave our old life and we have to be joined to Christ. Now, we want to be in this world. We don't want to be of this world. Paul in 2 Corinthians quoted an Old Testament prophet and he said, listen, you need to come out from among them. We've got to come out from among them. Come out from their midst and be separate. We're supposed to be different than the world. Why? Because we have a different goal. We have a different lens we look at things through. We have Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And we need to make a fresh commitment. I'm just going to stop sinning. We need to go and ask Holy Spirit, would, would you put this on if you were in flesh? I'm not sure if I should wear this. Holy Spirit, is this something that you would wear? I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about you're not allowed to see movies like old Pentecostals would preach. But we need to be connected enough to Holy Spirit that we go to a movie. Holy Spirit's like, you can go. I'm not going in there. We need to be quickened to the Spirit and recognize when He's leaving. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's true, but you can leave Him. It's called quenching the spirit. And we're not supposed to do that. We, we, need, to, we, need, to, we need to look at our, 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 our social media feed. Is this glorifying Christ? Or is this glorifying the flesh? And for some people, that's really easy to discern. If you're glorifying the flesh or glorifying Christ. And I don't want to get into legalism and dress codes, but flesh is flesh, amen? And something should be saved for your spouse. Hallelujah. Are you with me? And so they reacted. They reacted just like the Scripture says. They reacted. Acts 2.41. So then, those who had received His Word were baptized that day and there were added about 3,000 souls. They revived their commitment to God. I am responding to the Word and I'm getting water baptized. Are you hearing me? There is a response to Christ. A, a call to holiness. Second thing, we revive our commitment to live in community. We revive our commitment. That's a good one, Pastor. I'm writing that down. Amen. We revive our commitment to live in community. Christianity was never supposed to be lived alone. 
Period. Period. I'm building on someone else's foundation, and I hope someone builds on mine. I hope what I'm preaching is foundational for you to do amazing things for, whoa, for God. And I'm standing on the top of some other people. I'm at the top of the pyramid right now. Here, here um, listen to my message from Saturday night at the Revival Conference, if you didn't hear it. It talks about this in depth. But right now, I'm laying a foundation for you to preach upon. I hope you all, this is foundational and that you do amazing things. At the same time, I'm at the top of the pyramid, standing upon other people's foundations. We need this in our lives. But watch this as we look how these people reacted in faith to the outpouring. Verse 42 says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Verse 43 Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Here's what the enemy does. The enemy wants you to gossip and judge those who are in authority. He wants you to, why? Well, number one, there's no longer any awe, so God isn't in the midst, so there's no signs and wonders. He doesn't want you to be connected. He wants you to worry about you. Then there's no awe. I can't be in awe of anybody else because I'm too insecure to really honor somebody else. And so God doesn't do anything awe-worthy. And there's no signs and wonders. It's community. It's, I mean, people are like, I don't need church. I'm, I'm just, just me and God. I'm like, well, really? Well, then who's baptizing all the people that you're winning? And who's discipling them if it's just you? We're not doing that. Oh, you're not doing anything for Jesus. I forgot. That's not a Christianity that I actually want to be a part of just about you i get it good thing jesus didn't do that what i mean that's good thing good thing he'd had a different view of the church than you do or you wouldn't be saved right praise god hallelujah that sounds more spicy than i meant it to be but but they they immerse themselves in this uh, they immerse themselves in the apostles doctrine what is god doing right now in our midst Uh, theologians call this a theological reflection. And theological reflection is, I am right now meditating on what God is doing right now in this season. Does that make sense? I'm meditating on what God is doing in this season. I'm spending, you know, the way to inoculate yourself from disappointment and falling into a pit is meditating on what God is doing right now. It's really hard to be hopeless when you see Him doing miracles. Good word, Pastor. Amen. But as we meditate on the Apostles' Doctrine, and the Apostles' Doctrine, I'm not talking about what Bill Johnson said last week. I'm talking about what Peter preached. I'm talking about the words of Paul in the Bible. The Apostles' Doctrine. Now, if what Bill Johnson preached lines up with that, great, you know. If it builds upon that and what God is doing in your life, that's great. But if your Apostle doesn't know anybody you know, it's time for a new Apostle. That's a good word right there, Pastor. So as we begin to meditate on this, we start thinking, okay, is forgiveness at work in my life? I mean, you could just spend your walk just meditating on that, Mike, right? Just, walk, just working out forgiveness. I feel like that's a full-time job here. Just walk out forgiveness. Just, I am just, I just, imagine you started, like, do you have a word for January? Yeah, this year, I'm going to walk in forgiveness. I'm not going to be bitter about anything. I'm only going to forgive. I'm going to have no hurt feelings this year. I'm not going to judge anybody of anything. I'm only going to forgive. That sounds like a year's goal right there, doesn't it? I bet that would bear more fruit than half the words for the new year that I hear. I'm going to roll that back. Just, it would just bear some fruit, I think, Mike. 
I'm just thinking that would bear some fruit. Do I walk in mercy like, they, like was preached? I could just meditate on the, on, the, on the Sermon on the Mount. Am I living that? Watch this. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, We've we got to meditate on what the apostles said, right? We've got to meditate on what Jesus said, right? Commitment to community. Watch this. Watch what Jesus said. Now, I, I've heard all the teachings. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to reel it in here, honey. I really am. I'm trying to reel it in. There's, there's a great movement towards therapists in the pulpit these days. When, like we depart from the gospel sometimes. I, I get all the teachings on setting boundaries. I get that. If you're being abused and you're not emotionally strong enough to, you know, to, to, you got to set boundaries. I get that. But let's just read what Jesus said. Matthew 5, 38. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. Work your boundary teaching into that. Do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Hmm. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. This isn't some, this isn't some new... This is Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. This, verse 40. If anyone wants to sue you, let him take your shirt. And take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Unless they want to buy alcohol, and then they're probably going to get drunk, and you can't contribute to their sin, and you shouldn't give it. The Bible doesn't say that. It just doesn't say that. It says if you've got money and somebody needs some, give it to them. Don't worry, I'll pay you back. That's what the Bible says. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, unless they're in a different political party. Then it's okay to slander them in social media. Oh no, it doesn't say that. It doesn't actually say that. It actually calls that sin. Well, let's read it again. You've heard that it say, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Well, why should I do that? So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. I'd, hear, hear me. I want you to hear what I'm saying right now. And I'm a veteran, right? I've served my country, right? I'd rather, I'd rather have a communist president and go to heaven. I'm saying communist. That's like the ultimate evil, right? Like I'd rather, right? I'm not, I don't want a communist president. I'm just saying I'd rather have the wrong person there in my heart be right. Because there's no person in the White House who can get you to heaven. He cannot open a porthole and he cannot close a portal. Like, you cannot give up your salvation over things that will be burned in the fire at the test of the end. This is, we just cannot do this. I mean, love your neighbor. I mean, this is the gospel. Okay. So many people today are, are sacrificing their Christianity for politics. And I just had a conversation with the Lord one day and he started asking me questions. He said, <clears throat> some people say that the right today is not following, and some people say the left are not following. And what would happen if God called you to move to the mission field and spend the rest of your life there? Whether you're Republican or Democrat, would it matter? All of a sudden, this massive part of your identity and your relationships no longer matters. Watch what you give your heart to. Watch what you give your heart to. You want to be active in the political process? Be active. Watch what you give your heart to. 
They're, send, they're saying here, listen, you can't let your heart be wrapped up in your stuff. You're, you can't let your heart be wrapped up in your offenses. Give it away. If it's, just give it away, and then you don't have to worry about it. So that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he causes the sun to, raise, to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Mikey, come up if you would. And the third thing that we see them do is revive my commitment to the cause of Christ. Revive my commitment to the cause of Christ. Verse 44. And all those who had believed were together and had all, thi- oh, had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them with all, anyone who might have need. Listen, they decided that it's not just about me. I have to be more concerned with someone else's well-being than my own. They revived their commitment to the cause of Christ, to the community. They, 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 today we keep preaching a sacrificeless Christianity. And it produces an unsanctified bride. We, I mean, the cause of Christ has to be important to us. Seeing people who are away from God, connected to God, has to be important to us. It has to be. Ha- that, that is the right response to the outpouring of the Spirit. People need to know that Jesus is alive. And whereas, whereas like maybe many of the revivalists are like, I'm just going to do it right here and right now, and I'm all for salvation on the streets. I'm all for it. But many of these people need to be added to the church. And it's our job to get these people added to the church. The people in your life who don't know him have to be added to the church. We have to bring them to where his presence is. We have to bring them where there is discipleship. We have to bring them where there's mothers and fathers in the faith. We have to bring them so they can see where their gifts are needed. We have to bring them to the church. And I don't just mean the big C church. I mean, you need to bring them with you so they can grow in Christ. Amen? Amen? This is our call. So we're going to receive the Lord's table this morning. And I want us to make a fresh commitment to Christ. I want to make a fresh commitment to Christ. Give our heart fully to Him. Make a fresh commitment to His community. Make a fresh commitment to the cause of Christ. I'm not going to live on my own. It's not okay to me that the world is dying and going to hell. It's not okay. And I am going to do something about it. Amen? Stand with me if you would. Ushers are going to begin uh, passing out the elements. Shakaba. 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 But I want you today. Just tell them, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart, Lord. I make a fresh commitment to you today. A fresh commitment today to Purify my heart, Lord. I don't want to have walls up. I don't, want to, I don't want to live in fake community. I want to be real. And Lord, I want to be part of your cause. I want to bring people into your presence. I want to bring people. I want to bring people. I want to bring people. First Corinthians 11, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord that which also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus in the night in which He was betrayed took bread and when He had given, well, when he had given thanks, He broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, He took the cup also after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. 
Father, we thank You so much. Jesus, we thank You that You weren't ashamed of Your broken body. You could have perfectly healed it before returning, but You didn't. You showed it to us broken. You weren't ashamed. And Lord, we're not ashamed to bear Your scars either. We're not ashamed to sacrifice like You sacrificed. We're not ashamed to We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed to tell people about our faith. We're not ashamed. Lord, we make a fresh commitment to live our faith in front of people. I don't hear anybody praying but me. Father, we we make a fresh commitment this morning. Live our faith in front of people. We're not going to hide our scars. We bear them with honor. We're broken people made whole in Christ Jesus. We're broken people made whole in Christ Jesus. Shekaba. Shedaba. Shedaba. Jesus didn't put on flesh to become lower. He put on flesh to make it holy. And through His sacrifice, that can happen. And so today, your broken body that makes us whole, we receive it today. Receive the body. In the cup of the new covenant, Lord, your blood shed for us. We thank you that only through your shed blood can we even have a hope bringing any glory to your life. And so today, we renew our commitment to you. We renew our covenant with you and receive this cup of the new covenant. In Jesus' name, receive the cup. Wow. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you for these people right here under the sound of my voice. I declare they're blessed and anointed. Lord, I thank you that you have sanctified them by your blood and I thank you that you love them that you have a plan for their lives. I thank you that you've anointed them to overcome the cares of this world. That you've anointed them. You've put the, you know exactly where you have them right now. And when you want them to go, you'll make it very clear to those around them. But Lord, for now, I thank you that where they are, they will stand and see the glory of God. Every struggle that they're in right now, they will stand and see the glory of God. I thank you that you will glorify yourself in the midst of their trials that you're going to perfect them through it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Can you give a clap offering to the Lord? Come on, come on, give a clap offering to the Lord if you would.